Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed, you don't know where to turn. These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org. Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living today with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien from the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California. To ask questions or join in the discussion, email us at theyogahour at unityonlineradio.org. Now, here's your host, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, our time to open our hearts and our minds to the infinite. I'm Yogacharya O'Brien, and today I'll be sharing some insights and time-tested practices from the ancient system of Kriya Yoga, a philosophy and practice that is for spiritually conscious, fulfilled living in the world today. Yoga is an ancient Sanskrit word that many are familiar with, but not everyone is aware of its deep philosophical meaning, oneness, union, or unity, and it refers to becoming uh, fully conscious, bringing our attention and our awareness um, to rest in our essential spiritual nature, meaning being restored to our original wholeness, knowing what we are as spiritual beings, and then, in a practical way, learning how to live in harmony with it. And today's topic um, fits right into that. It is acting and leading with wisdom, practical principles that work and inspire. And the invitation is for us to evolve from being not just smart, but wise, that we can learn to cultivate wise action for successful leadership by applying time-tested principles to our work. And we're joined today by Prasad Kaipa, Silicon Valley-based CEO, advisor and coach, and co-author of the new book, From Smart to Wise. And we're going to be discussing spiritually grounded principles for acting and leading with wisdom with Prasad. He is a Silicon Valley-based CEO, advisor, and coach. He was the founding executive director of the Center for Leadership, Innovation, and Change at the Indian School of Business and Smith Richardson Fellow at Center for Creative Leadership. He's known for integrating management with scientific principles and spiritual perspective. That's a big agenda. So we're really looking forward to hearing about that. Prasad has worked with global 500 companies for the past 22 years, and he's co-author of the book uh, with Navi Raju of the book I just mentioned, From Smart to Wise, Acting and Leading with Wisdom. His website is prasadkaipa.com. That's P-R-A-S-A-D-K-A-I-P-A.com. Welcome, Prasad. I'm so delighted you're joining us today. Thank you very much, Ellen. I am honored to be on the show with you. Thank you. Before we dive into our conversation about wisdom, let's take a moment to expand our consciousness a bit, a moment of centering um, and touching in on that deep wisdom that is within us in a moment of meditation. Yes.
at the heart of true wisdom is the realization of oneness, our ability to go beyond the confines of the ego self, to recognize our interconnection to everyone and everything. And meditation allows us to experience that, to shift our consciousness and our perspective really in a moment. So let's begin with a meditative moment, intentionally opening our hearts and our minds, recognizing life with a capital L as one reality. It's called by many names, but let us recognize it as the support and the substance of all that is. So in this moment, let's simply begin to expand our consciousness, let our attention move from the periphery of our awareness, from restless thought activity, into the depths of our being. And you can use your breath to do that as you breathe in. Feel that you are diving in to the infinite ocean of divine consciousness that is within you. And as you breathe out, feel that you simply let go of tension, let go of the confines of the small self. Breathe in, dive in, breathe out, let go. In just a moment like this of being aware of our breathing, our thoughts begin to settle, and truly our consciousness begins to expand. This is a simple way to invite wisdom, to allow our intuition to surface, to allow new insights to come, to free ourselves from the restrictions and constrictions of our attachments to our own viewpoints. How beautiful that we are capable of changing our consciousness this way. So let's remember now as we go forth into our day, into the hours ahead, that there is within us peace that emanates from our essence of being. Let's invite that peace to pervade the mental field, our emotional nature, our physical body. And let's invite that peace to overflow into every encounter as a blessing for all beings everywhere. Paramahansa Yogananda wrote, The happiness of one's own heart alone cannot satisfy the soul. One must try to include, as necessary to one's own happiness, the happiness of others. In our practice of Kriya Yoga, spiritual wisdom is stressed as practical wisdom <laughs> and we are encouraged to test out spiritual principles in the laboratory of our own life experience and this uh, teaching by yogananda this morning points out that it is essential for us to take into consideration the happiness of others. And so this is not just so that we can appear to be a better person, uh, be saintly, or be loved by others, but it's actually a very practical means to increase our own happiness. And um, Prasad, I, I have been enjoying your book, um, Smart to Wise, and I notice in there um, this key principle that... Um, Spiritual wisdom can come into our, our work 
in the business world or regardless of our field of activities. And yet it must be practical and wise. So tell us about how you see that connection, the importance of having that greater wisdom, and yet this practicality of being able to um, be a smart and a wise leader. Sure. Uh, The spiritual wisdom is like what we breathe in, Ellen, and practical wisdom is like what we breathe out, Uh, Just as you mentioned during the ability for us to um, breathe in and breathe out and the in-between state, when we are doing neither, the transformation takes place. Transformation is what you call taking the morals of the spiritual part, taking the values and turning those into living principles. In other words, spiritual wisdom, when applied in a conscious, everyday approach through certain set of principles and practices, it becomes a practical wisdom. Mm-hmm. And this this practical wisdom is is really then the uh, the essential ingredient for being a, a wise leader. You know, I have noticed Prasad in over the years as I have taught spiritual principles um, yeah. to to so many people that often um, the. Uh, <laughs> the challenge that people raise, and this will come practically in every class, you know, we'll be studying um, yamas, for example, you know, right. uh, nonviolence, truthfulness, right use of energy, so on and so right. forth. And someone will say, you know, this is not possible in the business right. world. You know, mm-hmm. it is not arranged for us to be able to tell the truth, um, right. to be balanced in our energy. You know, our, our manager wants us to work hours longer than are humanely possible. <laughs> and, you know, the, these kinds of things come up as, as very real challenges for people. You know, how do we um, bring these worlds together? You're talking in your book about, you know, there are different kinds of leaders, ways that they use their smarts, you know, to, to be able to move a company forward. But ultimately, that is not going to be enduring, you know, for the person or the company, that wisdom has to come. So, you know, how do we, how do we bring this wisdom forth? What I find is other people may not be able to do it, and there may be 100 cases of where unethical behavior or lying or corruption or uh, lobbying for what you want is about getting ahead of others using your smartness. I believe the essence of smartness is to compete successfully and see the patterns Uh, of what is happening around you faster than the other person so that you can get ahead. You know, so that's, I understand, is the nature of uh, intelligence if applied in the context of intellect and uh, practical smartness. Mm -hmm. If you notice, when thousand businessmen may be trying to do same thing, there will be only like one or two or three people who are leading the game. And those people don't follow the same rules, like Warren Buffett. Uh, if you look at, is an investor, is a very rich investor, but he's the one who stands out and says, you know, I pay less tax than my secretary who makes 100 times less money than me, and that is unfair. Mm -hmm. When he says that, he is operating from a certain, uh, what you might call a smart way. So he is looking at the larger purpose. He is looking at the noble purpose. Mm -hmm. 
and the yamas and niyamas that he is following are very different than 99% of the people who say this is how the business is done mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and that person seems to have an ability to succeed very different rate than many of the people who say this is how the business is done and they keep going after the business whereas warren buffett will keep doing what he is doing and he keeps making money mm-hmm. so yeah, i believe I... that is what is the key way please go ahead Yes, and I was just going to say that I think your book is very helpful in that regard, Prasad, because you give some good examples of, you know, what people have done well and, you know, what has not worked so well in terms of, um, you know, CEOs, business leaders who have um, transformed their smartness, um, let it be um, tempered by wisdom and, and what has happened in that kind of transformation. You give Bill Gates as, a, as an example of someone, you know, whose, whose smartness, um, you know, in a sense, we could say got him into trouble. Um, you know and if he if he only kept going on that trajectory uh we could probably predict that things would not have gone well for him personally um or professionally and uh, and you you cite the shift that he made uh when his company was in trouble the the shift that he made personally to a wiser um perspective so i think it's helpful when we can see examples of people who actually have this kind of transformation you know right in the midst of high stakes business uh scenarios that that it is it is possible and um you you identify perspective as yeah. um a, one of the most critical of leadership uh capabilities and that's what the example you're giving of really bill gates ability to shift his perspective so tell us a little bit about this um how you see perspective in our ability to lead sure because you talked about bill gates and he was the ceo and the co-founder of microsoft uh, just this week in fortune magazine there is an interview with uh, bomber steve bomber who is the current ceo who has actually in- showed intent to get down step down from the ceo role in next few months and when people asked him what is the prime directive that he worked with microsoft he says making the money making the money making the money three times oh dear <laughs> so, in, <laughs> so in some respects when he was so intent on nothing but making the money interestingly in most of his uh, ceo role in past 13 years it made less money than google or it made less money than apple and in in uh, some respects microsoft didn't do very well mm-hmm. so whether it is bill gates wanting to make the money or steve bomber wanting to make the money when your focus is on the goal you don't produce the results the perspective no, is excuse me prasad that i just want to say that that sounds counterintuitive you know to yes. what we generally understand as you have to be focused on the goal if you want to produce results so so tell us about how, how more about that we have just a minute before we're going to go to the break so give us a little teaser about um what is this not being focused on the goal what could that possibly mean that means you are not the only one who is working on making the goal you can put in your effort and have an intention but there are a lot more forces that need to help you if you have to achieve the goal and we will talk about that what does it mean to focus on the effort with a clear intention but not totally obsessed with the goal itself Oh that is excellent. Well, we'll be right back with you in just a few moments. 
looking at how it is that we can be successful and achieve our goals with a wider um, and probably more accurately deeper um, perspective. You're listening to the Yoga Hour with guest Prasad Kaipa. His website is prasadkaipa.com and we'll be right back with you. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. This programming is made possible through the generous love offerings of listeners like you. If you feel spiritually fed by this programming, we invite you to contribute. Go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. He's the most talked about figure in history. How do you see Jesus? As a savior, a way shower, a mythical hero. In his cutting-edge new book, Jesus 2.1, An Upgrade for the 21st Century, Reverend Dr. Thomas Shepard explores the many human concepts of Jesus. The man of Nazareth has been an imaginary spiritual playmate for millions. Best friend, confidant, silent lover, surrogate father, brother, husband, trusted king when earthly governments fail all-purpose superhero who will save the day before the final credits roll. Jesus is like a program that has been adapted through the ages while the basic code remains undisturbed despite all subsequent modifications. Now it is our time to rewrite and reinstall the Jesus program with updates for today, just as every previous generation has done and every subsequent generation will do. The Romans killed Jesus for being a revolutionary. Every succeeding generation kills him anew, by losing sight of the ongoing revolution in human consciousness that he represents. Explore the new book, Jesus 2.1, at www.shopunity.org. Music must serve a purpose. It must be part of something larger than itself a part of humanity. If you're in harmony with this statement, you're going to want to tune in to Unity Online Radio's new show, The Traveler, Healing Journeys Through Music, with Kathy DeWitt, Minister of Music at Unity of Gainesville, Florida, musician-in-residence at Shands Hospital, and international consultant for the Global Alliance for Arts and Health. You'll hear stories and songs about the healing power of music and meet folks who have been on both ends of it. Join us. Join in and share memories of your own meaningful musical moments, Fridays at 1 p.m. Central Time. You're listening to The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. We now return to The Yoga Hour. to the Yoga Hour. I'm Yogacharya O'Brien, and I'm joined today by Prasad Kaipa, co-author of the new book, From Smart to Wise, Acting and Leading from Wisdom. And just as we were going into the break, um, Prasad, you had mentioned about, you know, not being totally focused on the goal and I was just captivated by that you know that it's just I said it just seems counterintuitive you know when we have a goal it seems like we have to have our full attention on that if we're going to make that goal but there's something that um, you have discovered about uh, smart leaders versus wise leaders in terms of how they approach goals and um, this time now is upon us when you know many people are thinking about goals and setting goals for the new year ahead. So tell us what you were, um, what you have learned about how to approach goals uh, in a wise way. Um, many times when we set up the new year goals, you know, the, what we call resolutions, new year resolutions, whether I want to lose the weight or whether I want to change my habits or get a new job or whatever are the kind of goals that we keep, our perspective is totally on me, 
my goals and how do I achieve them? As many people notice, uh, within about three weeks, for some people it may be longer than three weeks, but for about 80 to 90 percent of the people, doesn't matter how much attention you pay to the goal and how much focus you have on achieving it. After February first week, second week, the dejection sets in and a sense of feeling that I can do it or or it is okay or whatever I have achieved is good enough. Why can't I be happy with them or with my mate or with my job or with my relationship? This is a very common practice for many people. But when white people look at it, let us say a wise leader thinks about uh, losing a weight. The wise leader might look at it and say, if I am at this particular weight, what could I be doing that I cannot do now? So that means the wise leader might actually operate as if she is already achieved at that particular weight class or weight uh, or job relationship and begin to become comfortably um, do their regular work or regular um, eating or exercise from there. That is number one. That means the perspective is shifted from hoping and aiming to achieve a goal, you behave as if you have already achieved the goal. That is number one. Second part of it is to actually engage and enroll other people and begin to look at how it actually makes a difference. So if I am not happy with the current relationship or a job, how would I behave if I already got a new job? You know, uh, how happy would I be every day going to work? Mm-hmm. How do I relate to other people at work? And how do I do whatever is on my plate with a certain amount of enthusiasm and creativity and energy? When you begin to take on whatever you have, with a different perspective as if you have achieved a goal, but with a certain amount of detachment, certain amount of lightness, you find out that uh, your behavior gets noticed very quickly by other people. And your results start becoming very different. And they actually start... uh, getting much better than you imagined before because your attitude has shifted. Mm-hmm. And yes. that kind of a shift in attitude and focusing on the effort, focusing on what you have on your plate, it doesn't matter that it's a old relationship, it is a old job, but you are doing it with a new set of eyes, new energy and new enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. That will get you to to produce the kind of results that you never imagine. I have found that repeatedly. When I focus on losing the weight, it never works. But when I become conscious, when I become aware of what am I eating, what am I putting into my body, how much walking am I doing, or how am I actually stretching on a regular basis throughout the day, I find out weight loss happens automatically. This is what I call like a shift in perspective. In uh, becoming a wise leader, you can take on whatever you have on your plate and do it using the yoga way. Or or you can call it a wise leader way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think, um, you know, you have just outlined so beautifully about goals, you know, from the perspective of yoga, Um, you know, we would say what is critical is to change your consciousness um, because if you don't do that, you can spend a lot of time, you know, trying to... um, 
change external conditions and you exactly. and you may be successful for a time um, but it doesn't generally bring about lasting change because the right. inside condition um, you know the belief system that we're holding internally has not been changed so that will continue to produce um, the old results you know until we change our consciousness um, and you have also mentioned something that is so critical about um, succeeding in our goals and that is instead of being narrowly focused on some end result that we want to produce we really are assisted by having um, a higher ideal like what difference would it make um, you know that keeps us motivated and inspired um, so if it's a kind of fitness program you know and I have found this for myself it doesn't really it's not motivating enough to me you know when it comes down to me and the piece of cheesecake you know it's mm-hmm. not it's not motivating enough to think well you know if I don't eat this cheesecake you know I'm going to lose a pound or something right. that that is not um, that is not as strong as the lure of the cheesecake <laughs> but right. if I th- if I think about you know how is this going to affect um, my greater goal you know, which is to be, to have the energy, you know, tomorrow morning to, to write, um, to prepare for an important meeting, you know, to, to see it in terms of how it, it, it affects my ability to make the contribution, um, that I feel I'm here to make. You know, in other words, to succeed in my dharma, right? Exactly. So that's what I call, like what you called expanding the consciousness. In the business language, they call it changing the mindset. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. in my book, I call it changing your perspective. Mm-hmm. And what you are calling as, uh, you know, like a living my dharma, uh, in my book, we call it like a being authentic mm-hmm. and appropriate to who you are, not just what you do. But you have to take into account what you do has to integrate who you are and what you are passionate about and what you are excited about. Even there is an alignment between who you are and what you do, then the energy and creativity flows into it. And whatever you do, you can build your brand. And the last thing you mentioned very beautifully is when you think about a you know, like a noble purpose, higher purpose. That's what we call in my book, The North Star. What differentiates a smart leader uh, and a wise leader is having that noble purpose. Whatever I do, if I can do it for something, not just for me, it may not be like a uh, world peace, but if I can say whatever... Uh, you and I are creating today, uh, Ellen, if we can create certain amount of ability for the listeners to mm-hmm. make like, three wise decisions during the holiday season, mm-hmm. take mm-hmm. three wise actions that they would not have taken with more consciousness and brings more happiness, wouldn't it be a great thing that can be Uh, aspired for, we can have a conversation and they can listen to us and through that listening and expanding their own awareness, they can be uh, happier and make, you know, wiser decisions. That would be something that is tangible goal that we aspire for. And it it would be, and it and it makes a, a difference um, to us in terms of um, having the energy, you know, to show up early in the morning to have a conversation like this. You know, if it's just for our own benefit, we we could enjoy it. It's nice talking to each other, but to think that um, there is some potential beyond, you know, what would just be happening between the two of us um, is is really inspiring. I know it gets me up in the morning uh, to do the yoga hour and. I'm guessing it got you here too and, and had you say yes to being here. I have a question, Prasad, about, you know, you yeah. were mentioning about um, 
you know, being uh, aware, we were, I mentioned the word dharma, and you talked about wise leaders know how to act authentically and appropriately. And I'm wondering, you know, how you train um, business leaders to discover, you know, what that is um, for themselves um, to be uh, authentic and the appropriateness that comes out of that. I find that, you know, that's one of the key um things that people struggle with, you know, what is mine to do? You know, what is my authentic expression? You know, we're in this culture in the West anyway, we're so outer oriented that yeah. it can be difficult for people to find um, their own authentic way. So how do you help leaders find that? What I find, ask them is to look at when they are most happy or when they feel most free or natural. I ask, you know, like for example, we can ask the listeners to think about and say, uh, can you close your eyes for a moment and imagine you are in your most favorite uh, place with people, with two or three people who love you the most. Or you can imagine people whom you love the most being around them in the place of your choice. Just look around and enjoy it for a moment. And imagine three of you or four of you are going to engage in activities for a week based on whatever you wanted to do. So you have a whole week ahead of you. The holidays coming in, whole week ahead of you. How does your heart feel? And when you experience that happiness and that authentic sense of being free, being happy, and being around people who care about you, at that time, you feel like you can be anybody. You can do anything, right? That is authenticity. The key is that authenticity, somehow we think it is my authenticity versus your authenticity. That is where the trouble begins. That means Steve Jobs says, because I believe in world peace, I can say anything to anybody any way I want. That is not authenticity. You may be only authentic to part of who you are. You are only being a jerk, as a, or, you know, or as a parent, you know, a jerky parent or a jerky manager. But on the other hand, if I can begin to look at being authentic and appropriate means I am respecting whoever I have with the other person. You know, in Indian context, they talk about how you need to be kind to other person, not just authentic to oneself. Mm. So whatever I have to say, is that something that is uh, kind, that is truthful, that is inspiring, that is necessary? You know, when we do that, we are actually going to make people not just by impressed by who you are, but inspired by who you are. That means you become a role model. Mm -hmm. That means you truly become a leader, not just a manager. And that manager doesn't have to be in the workplace. It can be being a mom. It can be being a dad. It can be being a friend. It can be being a you know, sister or a brother. I think that is where, instead of being a smart ass, and get away with whatever you did and had some fun at other people's expense. You took time to be wise. That means you took time to look at, hey, my prank will hurt them. And at their hurt, I will have fun. That is a smart way to do it. But when you begin to look at it and say, when I do this fun, we both are going to have laugh at it. We will remember it five years from now, how much fun we had when we were together. 
See, that is a wise approach. Mm. And so, Prasad, I hear when you're describing authenticity in this way, Mm -hmm. um, it is really an invitation to go um, beyond the personality self, beyond the ego self. You know, you describe sometimes people think, well, being authentic is just being, you know, the way I am. It's saying what I want to say. It's doing what I want to do. Um, And that's, that's authentic. That's really me. You know, some people will say, well, that's just how I am. Um, but that, that is, is a small yay. That is a small authentic. <laughs> yes, that's just at the surface, you know, how a person exactly. is. And so being deeply authentic requires us to go beyond uh, just the personality level and to um, touch really the inner essence of our being that is connected um to others and then we are able to yeah then we are able to act uh appropriately Mm -hmm. um when we come back from the break we can talk about how what that means in terms of you 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 use the um phrase enlightened self-interest in your book so when we come back from the break we'll talk about that i'm yogacharya o'brien and you're listening to the yoga hour with executive coach prasad kaipa and you can find out more about his work at prasad kaipa k-a-i-p-a dot com and we'll be right back with you He's the most talked about figure in history. How do you see Jesus? As a savior, a way shower, a mythical hero. In his cutting-edge new book, Jesus 2.1, an upgrade for the 21st century, Reverend Dr. Thomas Shepard explores the many human concepts of Jesus. The man of Nazareth has been an imaginary spiritual playmate for millions. Best friend, confidant, silent lover, surrogate father, brother, husband, trusted king when earthly governments fail, all-purpose superhero who will save the day before the final credits roll. Jesus is like a program that has been adapted through the ages while the basic code remains undisturbed despite all subsequent modifications. Now it is our time to rewrite and reinstall the Jesus program with updates for today, just as every previous generation has done and every subsequent generation will do. The Romans killed Jesus for being a revolutionary. Every succeeding generation kills him anew by losing sight of the ongoing revolution in human consciousness that he represents. Explore the new book, Jesus 2.1, at www.shopunity.org. Does music open your heart and bring you peace and joy? Experience the sacredness of sound with Ramdesh Kaur as we travel the world of mantra, kundalini yoga, and devotional music. Join us for a journey into spirit, Thursdays at 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern, on Spirit Voyage Radio with Ramdesh. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. If you have a question, please submit it via email at the Yoga Hour at UnityOnlineRadio.org and we will respond. Now, back to the Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Yogacharya O'Brien, and our guest today is Prasad Kaipa. And we have been talking about um, evolving into wise leaders, not being um, just smart, uh, capable of um, moving things forward, but um, also being wise, um, capable of creating a transformative um, progress in in our lives and uh, in the organizations that that we work with um, and I want to mention to everyone that uh, 
there is a website that is fromsmarttowise.com, and this has many free resources for you. Um, there are videos there, and there is a wise leader assessment that you can take in many articles. So this is, uh, again, the website fromsmarttowise.com. Prasad, before we went to the break, um, I was bringing up that, that you had mentioned you had a, a term in your book that you call enlightened self-interest. Now, of course, that, that sounds uh, counterintuitive. <laughs> so, um, so, just, so tell us what it is to, be, um, to have our self-interest um, tempered by an enlightened viewpoint. Uh, first point, Ellen, anything that is counterintuitive, one may want to pay attention to it because there may be wisdom in it. Most of the time, what is intuitive is actually instinctive. That means it is coming from the past experience. So that is focused on survival. But what is counterintuitive may have a new insight that may allow you to brand yourself, that may allow you to differentiate yourself. So that itself may have access to wisdom, number one. Number two, you mentioned about uh, the enlightened self-interest. I, I, we both talked about Warren Buffett in the beginning of the show. We mm-hmm. said when everybody is very happy that the taxes are low for capital gains and people like Warren Buffett can get away paying very low taxes, and Apple did that, like earlier in the year, uh, Apple was in front of the Congress. Tim Cook was defending why he is paying so low taxes by making the company to stay in Ireland or somewhere else. Mm-hmm. But if you notice, even Ireland is going to be changing the laws. So when you try to be smart and take advantage of the loopholes, You can do it, but you cannot do it sustainably over time. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, if you were to do what you are doing for the larger purpose, if you are doing it with an interest, not just for what is in it for me, but what is in it for other people as well. Like the quick story somebody mentions is a pumpkin farmer during a Halloween season, took his prize-winning pumpkin, the large pumpkin, and gave some of the seeds to his competitors in the nearby fields. When his wife asked, why would you give away the most uh, expensive, the best pumpkin seeds to your neighbors who could grow the larger pumpkin next year, he said, because we share the same field. Mm-hmm. That means, you know, mm-hmm. pumpkin farming happens by, you know, uh, cross-fertilization because we have the same field. When everybody puts in the same great seeds, chances are everything I do will actually grow on the top of the uh, shared work and shared result. Mm-hmm. Same mm-hmm. way, enlightened self-interest means If I want to grow, I need to influence other people to help me. And the only way other people will help me is if I can help them first. There's an excellent book by Adam Grant called Give and Take. He's a Wharton management professor who proved through the research saying that in the workplace, people who are considered to be givers, Not necessarily people who are always taken advantage of, but who are intelligent in giving help and known as the people who help other people are the guys or the ladies who end up becoming leaders in the long run and not the people who are takers. Me, 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 me. Mm -hmm. So that's Mm -hmm. what I call enlightened Mm self-interest. It is about recognizing the goal you want to achieve cannot be achieved by you alone. 
by mm-hmm. you helping other people to achieve their goals with a certain sense that you help them they help you then you will have many hands working for the same goal and it becomes a lot easier for you to reach where you want to reach and that is the best way i can put the enlightened self interest mm-hmm. and it's a beautiful description thank you for that and you know i think it um of course it applies to us as individuals within our organizations but it also <clears throat> applies to organizations uh whatever your company is or your nonprofit or your spiritual center um <clears throat> it it also has to be seen in this perspective that um it can't you cannot work you know for yourself alone for the success no. of your company alone the success yeah. of your center alone um but how can you be part of contributing to the success of all and you know is talk about counterintuitive prasad <laughs> you know that one is key because you know while well i think you know we can readily resonate with you know we can't be a selfish person um yeah. we want to work for the good of all i think people kind of stop at the door of their own company their own yeah. organization right and say but we have to get ahead of the other person this is what our success is all about so um you know that that is what we're we're uh, up against uh changing and so i'm really glad you're doing the work you're doing um to help us you know really get out of these little silos you know of thinking success can come for one company alone or one organization alone helping us expand our perspective so as we head into this holiday season now we have a few minutes left on the yoga hour um can you give us an exercise you know that would be practical for us during this time uh about make shifting our perspective from being you know just smart um to actually being wise sure um recognize that this enlightened self interest is part of every entrepreneurial company we have to operate as a team we have to operate as a family together to make the entrepreneurial company successful or the center successful or a movement successful same way as we move into the holidays if you can think about every day one action and one decision and one communication like whatever you tell your family or your coworkers or what action you need to take let us say whatever is on your plate today as you are listening if you can stop and say would i want to make this a wise action instead of a smart action another way of saying is if you can take every day one action or one decision or one communication to be wise with an enlightened self interest with a focus on a larger purpose larger purpose doesn't have to be very big it can be for your team it can be for your family it can be for your organization it can be for your country think of something more than your ego and make that wise decision and take that wise action one a day every day take one of that and i recommend do this for next 30 days and keep track of it just kind of write a note to yourself or send an email of what wise action or wise decision and wise communication where you control your mouth instead of being a smart ass and laughing at them you had a chance to laugh with them mm-hmm. and then see how that one month of being a wise leader begins to transform not only yourself but also the quality of the results that you produce and the quality of happiness that you experience when you become conscious about making this wise leader choices mm. and if you read my book you know get the book from smart to wise if you have a chance you will see a lot of such exercises and i hope you have a wonderful wonderful holiday season and a great new year 
Thank you so much, Prasad. That's a beautiful exercise to leave us with. I think just, you know, contemplating, pausing a bit, stopping a moment, asking yeah. ourselves, is this um, not only smart, but is it wise? And I want to just conclude by coming back um, to the quote that began the Yoga Hour today um, from Paramahansa Yogananda. The happiness of one's own heart alone cannot satisfy the soul. One must try to include as necessary to one's own happiness the happiness of others. It's been a joy to share this yoga hour with you today. Thank you so much, Prasad, for coming on the program today. It's a pleasure and thank you very much, Ellen. It's a great show and I enjoyed it Thank you. And a reminder um, of the websites for our listeners, you can go to prasadkaipa.com to find out more about Prasad's work and then the wonderful website full of resources for you uh, for learning more about wise leadership. You can go to fromsmarttowise.com. And next week, we'll um, continue this series on spiritual leadership, um, Prasad, with a mutual friend of ours, a program with Ram Nidamulu. Uh, Ram and I are having a conversation about spiritual economics, where sustainability meets prosperity. Uh, For information about uh, winter holy days, uh, meditation programs, and retreats at the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, visit csecenter.org. Remember to subscribe to the Yoga Hour at iTunes. It's free and easy. Do that. And also, please let your friends know about us on Facebook. I look forward to being with you next week. Until then, remember to let your inner light shine into the world and to share your peace and your joy with all that you meet. Bye, everyone. Thanks again. Thank you for tuning in to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Join us every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Pacific, for practical, purposeful methods for spiritually conscious living every day. The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by friends and members of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California, a ministry in the tradition of Kriya Yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization, www.csecenter.org. Request free literature by writing info at csecenter.org. What is the secret to happiness? Why do bad things happen to good people? What is our purpose in life? What must I do to bring healing into my life? Join Rev. Paul Hasselbeck every Tuesday for a metaphysical romp. Explore fundamental unity principles put into action through real-life scenarios from people like you. Call in with your questions and spiritual challenges and let Paul take you on a journey of profound personal understanding and transformation. That's Metaphysical Romp with Rev. Paul Hasselbeck every Tuesday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, right here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. You've seen reality TV. Well, now get ready for reality radio. It's raw, unpredictable, and completely unscripted. Healing Your Life with Dr. Chris Michaels follows the lives of four people each season as they face their fears and overcome challenges. Listen in weekly and follow along as they take each faithful step on their journey. Learn what it takes to really heal your life. Dr. Chris Michaels shows you how to expect specific and measurable results from prayer. He says, we must place a demand upon consciousness. We don't hope to get what we pray for. We expect it. As a 25-year veteran in the New Thought Movement, Dr. Chris has helped thousands of people find their way to success and healing. His faith is unshakable, and his commitment to helping others heal through the power of prayer is extraordinary. Don't miss Reality Radio. 
Healing Your Life with Dr. Chris Michaels, live Mondays at 11 a.m. Central Time on Unity Online Radio. In quiet moments of prayer, let go of any concern. Anchor your trust deep in the realization that with God all things are possible. Never doubt it for a single moment. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed you don't know where to turn. These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org. 